Welcome to the Rare Faith Podcast, where the solution to every problem is only an idea away, and where the same activity with just a little more awareness always yields better results. Award-winning, best-selling author, Leslie Householder, brings some of her best information to this inspiring series of life-changing episodes that you won't want to miss. Show notes for this episode can be found at ararekindoffaith.com. So today we are going to talk about a rare kind of faith. Raise your hand if any of you have read any of my books. Anyone? (laughs) She's finished it. (laughs) All right, well, good. This is kind of fun because raw meat. (laughs) Raw meat. All right, so I want you to take out a pen if you don't have one. And I want you to notice on the handout, there's a bunch of quotes on the left, and then there's a bunch of note lines on the right. Everything that you're going to learn today is at my website, and most of it, you're going to be able to access freely. Um, And so, don't worry so much about catching everything that I say today. The notes section, I want you to just jot down things that come to you, perhaps as answers to questions that you have about your life, or... You know, if you're facing a challenge, what maybe you can do about that challenge. But the website and everything will be provided to you where you can get this information again. Same activity, higher awareness, better results. Same activity, higher awareness, better results. So what I'm going to share with you today are some things that will increase your awareness so that you can do the same things you've been doing, but get better results. How would that be? Nice. Would that be cool? Yeah. Because it's really discouraging when you go to an event or to a training that says, okay, you're doing great, but you're going to have to do more. Do harder. Be smarter. Go quicker. And it's like, I'm already trying. I'm already trying. But what if you could just be you with a higher awareness and get better results? It's exciting. So, maybe you're wondering, all right, so where are those lines for my life? Do you ever feel like your life is just kind of scattered? I don't know what to predict. I don't know what I can expect out of life. I don't know what's going to show up for me. I don't know what's going to happen. Just this huge unknown. You look at life and you don't see pattern to it. But what I have discovered is that there are laws that govern everything. You think about the law of gravity. Do you have to believe it exists to be affected by it? No, but does knowing about it help you? If you're walking a cliffside, it'd be good to know that gravity exists. If you didn't know that it was such a thing, then you might think you could step over here and have no consequence. But as we understand the laws, we can avoid painful consequences. And... What I shared in the panel discussion is that, you know, I went through some experiences that were very, very hard and very discouraging and very painful, and all the while I didn't know why they were happening. It's like me falling off cliffs over and over and over again, wondering, what is wrong with me? Oh, well, you should learn about gravity, right? So we're taught in the Doctrine and Covenants that there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world upon which all blessings are predicated 
And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. So what are some things that worry you or concern you or are on your mind? Do you ever uh, stress about passing a class or maybe keeping a scholarship? Uh, finding work? I hear that the competition for jobs for it can be tough. Paying your bills, fulfilling your dreams. What about finding that special one? Well, the solution to every problem is only an idea away. In other words, you think you need to find that special person, or you think you need to find that job, but what you really need is that spark of inspiration that leads you to say XYZ to this certain person, or that leads you to walk this path on your way to class instead of that one, so that you'll meet that person. What you really need is inspired guidance. I talked to somebody once who needed some money by a certain time, and I'm like, you don't need that money. Yeah, I do, I do need that money. No, you need the idea that will get you the money. And the idea is as close to you as this, as the air in this room. Let me explain what I mean by that. If I have a radio in this room and I turn it on to, say, country music, did it create the country music? No. Did it suck it into the room? Like through the door, did it come zooming into the room because I turned on the radio? What did it do? Transmitted it. Where was the music? Where's the music? It's in the room already. It's here. The music is here. Is there country music in this room right now? Yeah. So I tune the dial to say classical instead. Did I transform country music? Did the country music suddenly change and now it's classical? Where was the classical music? It's in the room. And we, t we changed the tool that picks up on it and makes it audible. We changed the tool. And so just like country music and just like classical music is in this room, the solution to your problem is in this room too. On a frequency. Where do you think inspired guidance is? in this room. And it's broadcast throughout the whole world and it's there available to all of us at all times. And we are the tool that tunes into it. So when we have questions and we're not getting answers, we tune us to reach it, to be on that level. By obedience to the laws, we can improve our reception. True? Albert Einstein said that the significant problems we face in life cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we, who? We created them. So we've got this problem. We're trying to put something in this hole, and what we have is not working. What we have, what we need, is on a whole different level than where we are. So I'm going to show you in this class how to bring yourself up to that line so that you can be aware of the solution, and have what you need to accomplish all things that you were put here to do. There are thought frequency, and as our awareness grows, our thought frequency changes. Why I do what I do. This is my family, and yes, see, he is my son. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm not supposed to point laser, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's like a federal regulation. You're in jail for that. Sorry. Um, I 
had in mind a picture of how I wanted my life to look, how the family I wanted to raise, the kind of environment I wanted to create for them. And I was convinced that if I just follow all the commandments, if I just be obedient, if I show up at my meetings at church, if I pay my tithing, if I serve my neighbor, if I attend the temple, if I do all these things, then everything's going to work out. Do you know anybody who does all those things and their life is perfect? So what I've found, and we know in DNC, that there are laws connected to blessings, certain blessings, and you have to learn the law that's connected to that blessing. And so I have reduced it to the fallible notion that if I am good, I will prosper. Well, the righteous shall prosper. We are told that. But, well, there's different definitions of prosperity, yes. So this is how we started out. We started out many, many years ago. All kinds of dreams and hopes for the future. This is our car up close. Isn't it pretty? <laughs> now you know why we have a cover on the front. This was the wedding attire for the car. <laughs> it's a black tie event, right? <laughs> and at the time, we were struggling students in Provo, Utah, and one of the jobs that we picked up to try to make ends meet was to be at janitors at office buildings at night. Does anybody know this building? This is Jamestown Square, where Stephen R. Covey had his offices for Covey leadership and his organization. And we went there every night to empty his trash. Beautiful, beautiful building and beautiful office. It was inspiring. I've never met him, but I emptied his trash many times. And one day, as I was emptying his trash, there was a bookmark in the trash that had this quote on it. I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are details. It had been signed by somebody given to him, and he, you know, I don't take it that he didn't like the quote. He just didn't need it, but I took it. <laughs> Somewhere I still have it. I rely on my torment to pick up for that little, but it was in the trash, right? Anyway, something about this just resonated with me, and I didn't quite understand why it caught my attention, but it was something I chewed on, I pondered on it. It wasn't for years that I realized the significance. When things are going bad, and when things were going bad for me, I realized, you know, if somebody tell me, what am I supposed to think about this? Another setback, another blow. Well, what am I supposed to think about that? I, I realized how often I thought, I don't know what to think. This is where we lived when Jacob was about four. This was a really depressing place for me because we were trying to create this environment that I had in my head. And the, the neighbor had was a smoker that the, it would come through the outlets, and it was just a constant reminder that my life is not what I had planned. It was at this location that I came out one one day and found that my broom had been broken in half by a neighbor kid. I was already depressed. I was already frustrated with our situation. We were already we'd already experienced job losses and medical bills and cars that wouldn't work and just one thing after another after another. I couldn't get in front of it. Just couldn't get in front of it. And so when that happened, and this broom is in front of me, I, I lost it, and I called the police. <laughs> you know anybody who's that stressed out? I called the police on the kid who broke my broom. And by the way, incidentally, and you'll see this on the video that I have at my website, I also called the police on a five-year-old kid who stole cookie dough out of my fridge. <laughs> True story. And he treated it like the crime of the century. He went around the neighborhood looking for the kid, because it was actually a break-in. He did it while we weren't home. <laughs> so that's a story for another day. 
But many, many times I would just be like, I don't know what to think. I mean, instinctively I knew that if I could just think right about this, then everything will work out. How did I know that? How did I think that? I think that was one of those seeds that Heavenly Father planted in me. Here's a little truth. You don't understand it yet, but hang on to it, because it is true. And I'm going to build on that, and I'm going to give you some more details as you, as you go through your life. Russell M. Nelson said, if you really want a certain blessing, you better find out what the laws are that govern that blessing, and then work on becoming obedient to those laws. It sounds so simple. <laughs> so what are the laws for receiving? You know, we prayed for help, we prayed for a better job, we prayed for a car to start, we prayed for all these things. Why was he really there? I, I started to wonder for the first time in my life. I'd never doubted it before. Never doubted it before. I had so many experiences that built my testimony, and I knew it. But where was he now, when it really, really mattered? So we know through the scriptures that some of these laws are asking, you shall receive. Okay, been asking. Maybe I'm just not supposed to have it. I guess I'm supposed to have this miserable life and be depressed. I guess that's how it's supposed to be. Um, doubt not, fear not. But what if you do doubt? What if you do have fear? What do you do with it? How do you get rid of it? It's one of those things that you try to say, boom, and it just keeps sticking on you. Anybody experience that? I really want to believe, but give me something to believe in. I don't know. I have faith in Christ. I'm trying, I'm trying to be obedient and do all those things. This is, this is pivotal. I'm going to introduce it here, and then we're going to go into and I'm going to give you some visual aids that help your brain remember this so that it's easy to live. Boyd K. Packer said, There are two kinds of faith. One of them functions ordinarily in the life of every soul. It is the kind of faith born by experience. It gives us certainty that a new day will dawn, that spring will come, that growth will take place. Do any of you doubt that the sun is going to go down tonight? Do you worry if the sun's going to come up tomorrow? You have faith. So that's one kind. And it's also the kind of faith that relates us with confidence to that which is scheduled to happen. It's believing in something that hasn't happened yet, but we have confidence because it always has, or because we just have reasons to believe that, well, of course that's going to happen. But there is another kind of faith, rare indeed, and that's why I call this class a rare kind of faith. This is the kind of faith that causes things to happen. Have we seen an experience like this in the scriptures, name one, where someone's faith caused something to happen? The woman who was healed when Christ touched her. Yes. You have one? Yeah. The brother of Jared. The brother of Jared is seeing Christ's finger. Yeah. And, and Christ Yes, Nephi, and fulfilling what he was supposed to do, having faith that he would figure it out as he goes. How about the younger transforming his life? How the younger transforming his life? How about Moses? What did Moses do? Parting the sea. Yeah, the staff and the snake. All kinds of things that are caused by faith. Do you think that only the prophets should have that power? Why would President Packer tell us about this kind of faith 
if it's just for us to learn about like a story in someone else's life, are we invited to learn it and exercise it ourselves? Absolutely. Who are we? Who are we in the eternal scheme of things? Sons and daughters of God. Which means what? That we are to become like him. It's in our blueprint to become like him. Does he know how to do this? Is this something that we shouldn't learn here? We should wait till we get to the other side. What good would it do us in his kingdom to have this ability, to have this kind of faith? What kind of a missionary could you be? What kind of a seminary teacher could you be? What kind of a bishop could you be? What kind of a mother could you be in the life of your children? If there is a need and you know how to activate this kind of faith to solve problems, who do you think wants us not to figure this out? Is there a force that must, I mean, is there anything that doesn't want us to figure this out? Yeah. Opposition in all things, the adversary would love for us to not figure this out because it makes his work harder. If he is powerless against us because our faith is so unshakable. This kind of faith is worthy and prepared and unyielding. Unyielding. And it calls forth things that otherwise would not be. So we worry about our future. How about create your future? How about choose your future? How about find out what God would have you do? And apply this kind of faith to making it happen. It's the kind of faith that moves people. It's the kind of faith that sometimes moves things. It is a marvelous, even a transcendent power, a power as real and as invisible as electricity. Directed and channeled, it has great effect. I needed this kind of faith because I needed things to be different than how they were being. I didn't know where to begin or how to change what I was already doing. So activating that rare kind of faith, there's two things to know. And remember, we're talking about awareness. It's not going to be as much about what you do as it is about how you think about what's going on. If we can change the way you think, things start to change. How we activate that rare kind of faith is, number one, we learn about ourselves and how we work, and we're given this earth suit, this idea, this notion that, like a radio, we can tune ourselves to tap into his broadcast. And then also to learn about the laws, because like I said, as our awareness grows, we can operate more easily upon those laws. So what are some of the possibilities? Well, in, in our experience, you know, we went seven years with this destitution and struggling, and I won't tell you the down by the river story. It's just, it was hard. It was very hard. And once we gained this awareness and started applying it, consciously applying it, and consciously being aware of the laws that govern success and living in harmony with them, within three months, my husband tripled his income. I'm not teaching a get-rich-quick scheme. This is nothing like that. This is living in harmony with the laws that govern our world, that we have been placed in for this immortal sojourn. We lived in California at the time. We learned these things, and I wanted really badly to come back to Arizona where the family was. By applying this kind of faith, it facilitated a move back. Just a small thing, but it was important to us, and it's blessed our family. It allowed me to stay at home with the kids when that was important to me and my husband. That allowed us to pay off debts. When Jacob was eight years old is when we were learning these principles, and I taught him 
what we were learning about the laws and how to think when you don't know what to think. And he had been asking us for Christmas if we would buy him Legos. And Legos are very expensive. You can get a little tiny box like this for about 50 bucks. It's just ridiculous, especially when you're on budget already. I'm like, honey, we can't afford these Legos. We're not going to buy you Legos. But here's what you can do. Here's how to open the channel so that if the Lord wants to, he can bless your life. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, I hope this is true. I hope it works. I'd seen it work for us, but I didn't want to shatter a poor little eight-year-old. Here's how to apply faith. Here's how to really apply faith and to ask God for what you want and hope for. He knows how to give good gifts. So Jacob applied the principles that I'm going to share with you. And my husband worked at Universal Studios at the time. And while he was there one day, he had a co-worker come in and say, my 11-year-old son, he's kind of done with his Legos. Do you have any need for Legos? And he said, well, actually... We love some Legos. And so she ended up going back to her extended family. They all gathered up all their Legos that nobody used anymore and brought it to my husband. It was a trunk about this wide, about this tall, and about that deep, full of Legos with all the manuals and the patterns and everything for free. And we boxed those up. Oh, I'm getting emotional. Um, to see your eight-year-old learn how to apply faith for such a small thing. But I am convinced that the Lord rejoiced in giving that to him to show him how to apply faith and reward him with exercising it. And what's interesting to me is I had a friend at the time, I was telling her about this experience, and she says, that's so funny. We did the same thing for a snowboard. And I thought, we had no inclination for a snowboard. They got that. They had no inclination for the Legos. We got the Legos. God knows how to give us good gifts, and it's according to our faith. And I'm not saying, all right, now you all ought to want some Legos. It's not the point. How many of you heard S. Michael Wilcox? He was a speaker at one of the Time Out for Women conferences that I attended. He said, if God has an answer to give you, he's not just going to give you the answer. He's going to create a life experience for you that carves a piece of your heart out to make space for it. Sometimes we go through these life experiences that just feel like they're going to kill us, but it creates a space in our life to receive the answer that he can't wait to give us. It gives us a reason to ask questions. This is what he had done for me. So let's talk about the 34,000 applicants. This one young man wanted this job really bad, but he was up against 34,000 other applicants. And he applied these principles and came out on top. Does that mean that someone else didn't apply the principles? You know, it's like Elder Holland says, but if not, you ask, you do your part, you make sure you're not the limiting factor, and you apply yourself, you obey the laws. But if not... If he doesn't bless you with what you're asking for, you express gratitude anyway. But it's about making sure you're not the limiting factor. Laws of thought. We're going to cover these six. And you don't have to write them down. These are all covered in the book, Hidden Treasures. It's a free download. Law of perpetual transmutation. This law states that every situation, every circumstance, every physical thing is either coming into state or going out of state. In other words, a baby is conceived and it's becoming a full-grown a full human being. And after its prime, it's starting to disintegrate. Right? There's this perpetual transmutation. The job that you want to find after you graduate, that is coming into form for you. It might not even exist yet, but something is going on in a company somewhere where they see a need and they're thinking, well, maybe we should hire somebody. Maybe it hasn't even been posted yet. Do you see how that situation comes into form? And it comes into form for you as long as you believe it. 
It may be coming into form, but it might not be yours until you are the one that believes it. So as you believe that what you need is, is coming into form, it is. And when you doubt, well, I don't know if this is going to work, it starts to dissipate. And you don't know even, you, you don't even have any evidence that it was coming into form or going out of form as you were applying belief or doubt. Scripture says, doubt not, fear not, because I've got good things coming to you, and as long as you have faith and believe, they're going to reach you. But what I was doing all those years is I was applying faith and trying to believe and doing what I could for a couple weeks, and then I was in anger and despair for two weeks, and it's just like this dance. I'm trying to bless you, Leslie, but you just don't believe long enough. You have one more day this time, and it might reach you, right? Um, an example of this law in the Journal of Discourses. Brigham Young says that when we are in the spirit world, if we want to visit Jerusalem, there we are looking at its streets. If we want to behold Jerusalem as it was in the days of our Savior, there we are and we see it as it ex existed spiritually. For it was created first spiritually and then temporally, and spiritually it still remains. At one point in history it came into physical form and now it's out of physical form, but it still exists. It's kind of mind-bending if you think about it. And so as you think about the ideal situation that you're trying to create, the ideal family you're trying to build, the ideal job you want to move into, your first job might not be the ideal job. It might take some, some steps and some transitions, but the one you really are going for, the career that you want to develop and create for yourself, it's moving into form as you are believing in it. So it's not a matter of, well, I wonder what might happen to me. Oh, so much is depending on how you think. That's why the panel emphasized so much about optimism. It's poison to doubt. It's poison to your future and your dreams to have doubt. Law of relativity. Law of relativity states that no experience that you have is fundamentally good or bad. It's only good or bad when you relate it to something else. Can you think of an example of any situation that is fundamentally bad? I don't care what you say, Leslie. This is bad. I know, in this, in, in this question I've had before, people will say, well, what about the abuse of children? Or something that is so horrifically evil that there can be nothing good about it. You were going to raise your hand. Divorce. Divorce. Suicide. Abuse. A lot of bad things, right? The law of relativity is a true principle, and it's only bad when compared to something better. But is it possible for those horrible things to somehow be good? You're nodding your head out. Explain. Well, to accept that they can't be good is to accept that God is limited in his power. Ooh. To accept that they can't be good is to accept that God is limited in his power. In order to influence our lives and in order to bring about his purposes, which is our joy, eternal life, and happiness. Profound. That is so true. And, you know, it's a touchy subject to tell someone that what they experienced was not bad. No, it is bad. No question, it is bad. But is there worse? Always. 
always. So if you want to live according to these laws of God, and if you want to qualify yourself for all the blessings that God has available to you, no matter how bad it is, you can use this law to put yourself back into a place of gratitude. Have you ever heard of anybody who has experienced something horrific and still found gratitude? Elizabeth Smart. Did anybody think of her when I said that? What are some other examples? Joseph Smith, thou art not yet as Job. This is the Lord teaching Joseph Smith the law of relativity. You think you've got it bad? Well, you're not as bad as Job yet. Keep it in perspective. <laughs> Corey Ten Boom. I love her story. Victor Frankel, who's heard of him? Yeah. Oh, so this is, in order to live by law, to qualify for the blessings, to not be the limiting factor, then when things go bad, you remember the law of relativity. Okay, I hate this. I hate what's going on, but I want to live by God's laws. Therefore, I'm going to relate this to something worse so that I can find gratitude again. Does he bless that, do you think? Do you think he blesses that? No question. The law of vibration. We talked about a radio and how we tune in to different frequencies. A couple examples of this in the scriptures is let virtue... Garnish thy thoughts unceasingly, because if you can keep good thoughts, you will stay in a positive vibration that keeps you in tune with the solutions to the problems you seek. See how that's all connected. You know, God doesn't have to inflict the consequences upon us when we disobey law. They're natural. They're in force. They're always, they're always in force, whether or not we know they are in force. We are being affected by these laws. We are either living according to them or living against them at all times, whether or not we're aware of them. And we can just improve our lives if we live with them, if we align with them. You know, do you have to believe in the law of gravity to be affected by it? Do you think that knowing about having an awareness of the law of gravity could help you avoid some pain? Yeah. You know, in, in, in my experience, it's like I was jumping off a cliff or stepping off a cliff over and over and over again. I'm like, why is my life so hard? Well, there's this thing called gravity that you should learn about. Because if you can learn to live in harmony with it, you can avoid a lot of pain. And not only that, but you can soar if you learn the laws of aerodynamics. You're not bound by gravity with these other laws. And so these laws become your tools in your toolbox. When life happens and you're like, oh, okay, I've got this goal. How do I stay on track to this goal? How do I stay in qualification for the blessings that I seek? Uh, okay, relativity is the one that I need to think about right now. Okay, all right, all right. I can be great in gratitude again. Law of vibration. Oh, let's, let's feed my mind with all the good things that keep my thoughts in the right place so that I can stay in the right vibration to be in tune with the solutions and that inspired guidance that says, you know what, you're looking for a spouse, take this pathway to your class today instead of that one. I've got someone for you to meet. These unconscious directions that we get from the Spirit, they're all there for us. Another example, consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. How much more will God clothe you, O ye of little faith? Seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. What this doesn't say is, seek the kingdom of God. Keep your, keep your eye 
single to his glory. Because as your thoughts stay there, puts you in a vibration that keeps you tuned in to the guidance of the Spirit that leads you to all these things. Law of polarity. The law of polarity says that contained in every adversity is the seed of equal or greater benefit. Napoleon Hill puts it that way. That if something is a little bit bad, then contained in that situation is really something a little bit good. But if something is horrific, catastrophic, then the benefit contained in it is phenomenal. So really, the person who has it the worst is the luckiest person in the room. And when I saw that, I'm like, boy, I've got it pretty bad. Huh. <laughs> I have the greatest potential for something amazing. You know, and it, it changed my mindset. It put me in a different vibration. It put me back on that, that frequency that led me to the next place. So here's an example in the scriptures. Joseph Smith is in jail. And the Lord tells him, you know, and he's like, where is, where are you? Have you abandoned us? He's desperate. And the Lord reminds him about the law of polarity. If thou shouldst be cast into the pit or into the hands of murderers, and the sentence of death passes upon thee, if thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up the way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee, know thou that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. He's teaching us the law of polarity. When things are bad, remember, it's for your good. If you can remember it's for your good, it changes your vibration, it brings you back up to that frequency where you can stay in tune with the, that guidance that leads you to the next thing. Law of rhythm. To everything there is a season, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A season, not permanence. If you've been feeling stuck, if you feel like, I wonder if things are ever going to start going my way, I wonder if things are ever going to start improving in this area or that area or whatever it is, remember the law of rhythm that these experiences are cyclical. So what do you think it does to know that, okay, this, these seven years of hardships are temporary. I, I thought it was going to be forever. This is never going to change. Well, if I'm thinking it's never going to change, I'm in doubt, I'm in fear, I'm at this low vibration, and I'm not on the frequency that's going to get me out of it. But if I believe, you know, the law of rhythm says that good times are coming. So I start looking for evidence. Are they here yet? Are they starting to, are things starting to turn around for me? And I'm focused on good, and it's changing me. It's getting me optimistic again. It's getting me um, looking forward and hoping. It's creating faith. It's hope. It's all those things that we are told to have. And as I do that, it changes my vibration. It brings me back up to a frequency where I can stay in tune with the answers that help me solve those problems. Law of cause and effect. This says that as you step forward towards your goal, whatever your goal may be, maybe it's to find that right person, maybe it's to find that right job, but as you prepare yourself and take a step, action, doing the best you know how and what you think, and then believe by this law that what you need took a step towards you. 
No longer it's, it's no longer I have to go the distance. It's I have to go halfway because it's coming to me too. What I want wants me. You think about it, you're not competing for that job and convincing them that you're the right one. They want the right one. They want you. You, you show them who you are. And especially if you're in this optimistic place and, and it's the right match, then it's, it, it becomes a natural outgrowth of your life. Sometimes, though, you just need a miracle. It's not about the intensity of your faith. Your faith can be the size of a mustard seed. It's that you reject doubt. You can have a little bit of faith, but don't have doubt, and it's enough. The saints had been asking for a blessing, and the Lord said, You endeavor to believe that you should receive it, but behold, I say to you, there were fears in your hearts, and this is the reason you didn't receive I wanted to give it to you, but you had fear, and part of the formula is you have to have faith. Just a little bit of faith. Get rid of the doubt. Now, really quickly, I'm going to jump ahead because there's not time to show you this whole thing. On my website, look for the visual aid that changed everything. And I've got a full hour-plus-long video that's going to go into detail on this. You can watch it. You go to an interview, and they don't choose you. And your first thought is, oh, I'm not good enough. Or, oh, I'm a failure. Or whatever those negative thoughts that the adversary wants to put into your mind to bring you down, to get you off the frequency where the Lord's inspiration comes. Feeds us doubt to get us off of that. Rejecting an idea like that means you get refused for the for the job, and you think, "All right, just haven't found the right one yet." Very different than, "Oh, I'm a loser." See what I mean? It's your choice of thoughts. So. Your results are going to be depending on what's going on in the subconscious mind. Uh, James Allen says, The outer conditions of a person's life will always be found to be harmoniously related to his inner state. Men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. All right, so we have these five senses that take in what's going on in our surroundings. We see, hear, taste, touch, smell. And the reason we get stuck, the reason we fail to achieve our goals is because we look at our results, say they are negative. I'm going to use X to represent the results we don't want. Maybe we haven't found the job we're looking for. Maybe we haven't found the circle of friends that we're trying to find, or whatever it might be. These results are reflected by what's in the subconscious mind. And we take that information in through our five senses. And there are two factors that determine what's going to go on in the subconscious mind. Because that's where you want to change if you want to change your results. You've got to change what's going on in the subconscious. It's thoughts that are repeated often, and it's thoughts that are charged with emotion. And what I was doing all those years is I was looking at my results. I was looking at where we lived. I was looking at the checkbook. I was looking at our opportunities. And I was taking those into my five senses, and I was thinking about how awful it was. And I thought about it a lot. Thoughts repeated often. And charged with emotion. Anger, frustration. Ugh, ugh, ugh. Kicking against the pricks is what I was doing. And that sent that idea back into the subconscious mind and reinforced it. Because your subconscious mind, its job is to keep you safe and keep you alive. It's your, it keeps your heart beating 
all day long. It keeps you breathing through the night. It keeps you alive. It gives you adrenaline when it senses you're in danger, even if you're just watching a movie, because it can't tell the difference. Right? And so you give it an image that you're emotionally charged about, and it says, oh, uh, something's important. Okay, important. This is important, because there's a lot of emotion here. So, oh, uh, all right, so nothing's going right. Your health is bad, and you keep having car wrecks. Got it. Well, I'll, I'll take care of that for you because that's important to you, apparently, because that's all you think about, and you're very emotionally charged about it. And so, subconsciously, we're led into these additional disasters. So, instead, you look at your results, and you remember this rejection symbol. It says, you know what? Things just went bad today, but I remember the law of relativity, but I remember the law of polarity, and you assign a positive meaning to it, and you don't let yourself get emotionally charged. As you assign a positive meaning and allow yourself to get emotionally involved with it, that's faith. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to return to your Father in Heaven and He says, well done, that good and faithful servant. If you think about that and imagine it often enough and intently enough, you'll start to feel what that would feel like to hear those words. How's that for a vision? How's that for improving your vibration and putting you on a frequency that's going to lead you every step of the way to get back there. And as you do, that's planted in your subconscious mind. By law, it changes the vibration that your body is in. It makes you resonate with situations and people that otherwise not would not have noticed you. You can go into an interview with all the negative in your subconscious mind and say all the right things and have all the right body language, and you won't get the job because they're picking up on this energy that is being broadcast and emanated from your subconscious mind. But as you change that, it becomes your natural results. And it starts with creating a new idea. It starts with imagining it. We are creative beings. We were given this ability at birth to create, to create a thought. And as you do, you are, you are initiating the process of creation, just like God does. You are initiating it by imagining it. Think about it often. You imagine what would it feel like if that were true. And that puts you in a vibration that changes the broadcast you pick up on. Changes everything. You create the new idea. It begins with the dream. You fall in love with it. Feel the emotion you expect to feel as if it has already happened. And again, your subconscious mind cannot distinguish the difference. As you imagine it, it thinks it's happening. It thinks it's true. And without emotion, it thinks it's important. And it's going to help you get more of it. This is faith. This is that rare kind of faith. This is the, this is the beginning of the creation process, the law of perpetual transmutation. By your thoughts, things are changing. If today you change the way you think about something that's been troubling you, you have just altered something out there. And as you continue to believe, as you continue to move in that direction, law of perpetual transmutation, it continues to develop. And then that day when you think, oh, I guess I don't know if I really did anything, I'm not sure if it's working. Oh, law of cause and effect says, oh, it's just starting to pull away. Well, if you know that it's going to pull away because you chose to doubt, then don't doubt. Choose to have faith. Sometimes that's all it is, is a choice. Some days when I would struggle with doubt, I would say out loud, I choose to believe because it is a choice. And I picture the things I need being orchestrated for me so that I'll be ready for it. By law, the new idea alters your state of being. 
and by the law. Your altered state naturally leads to improved behavior and better results. So, we got through it. I skipped a bunch of stuff. I hope you'll go to the website, download hidden treasures to learn about the laws. Go watch the visual aid that changed everything to learn more about that stick man. I want you to know that I am so convinced that this is truth. And not only that, but that it is true and important for God's people in these last days to learn how to have faith. Things are only getting harder. Life is only getting uglier for the world at large because we're preparing for the Lord's return. He needs a faithful people. He needs people who know how to participate in miracles. And yes, we'll still have problems. Yes, we will have challenges. Law Polarity says the bigger the challenge, the greater the opportunity. Nothing, nothing can stop a person who believes in the ultimate good having victory over evil. So doubt not, fear not, it's just not good for you. Choose to believe. This concludes today's episode of the Rare Faith Podcast. You've been listening to Leslie Householder, author of The Jackrabbit Factor, Portal to Genius, and Hidden Treasures, Heaven's Astonishing Help with Your Money Matters. All three books can be downloaded free at a rarekindoffaith.com. So tell your friends and join Leslie again next time as she goes even deeper into the principles that will help you change your life.